We are joined by the drivers from Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, Robert Wiggins, and James Inchcliffe. And I don't even think you need me here, so just start talking. So, Rob, you tested here last week. What did you think of your first laps around the Tricky Triangle? I thought it was a tricky triangle, James. It um, honestly, it was, it was tough. I mean, I uh, I'm really happy I did the test because I think without that it would be a, a pretty hard weekend. And the way the weather is shaping up, with uh, what could potentially be some limited running tomorrow with with rain, I mean, I'm I'm pretty grateful that we were able to get that rookie test in. And with the weather looking as perilous as it does, how does that affect your preparations for the ABC Supply 500? It. Uh, We must stop the transmission due to technical difficulties. That was new. <laughs> it's still new. It's just new and broken. Yeah, it's still brand new. Yeah. So seriously, though, answer that question because I thought I was. I'm thought I, am I asking? I'm asking pretty good questions, right? Like I feel like I'm taking questions away from some of you guys. You're doing average. Don't, Don't uh, boast too much. Don't. Um, what was the question, James? Given the perilous rain possibilities and weather situation, how does that affect your preparations mm -hmm. for the ABC mm -hmm. Supply 500? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It uh, cool story. So, I <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving right along. <laughs> no, it uh, it changes things for sure. But I think the weather is the same for everybody. So you just have to uh, just <laughs> deal with what you got and, and just move on. But again. I'm still happy that I did the test, so uh, I was able to get a bunch of laps in in good conditions and, um, and work on the car. So hopefully my work at the test will make your life slightly easier, James, of someone who didn't take part in the test. That's also what I'm hoping. I'm going to be really upset if I get in the car's, you know, a crap wagon. It, and that's a possibility. <laughs> it's, a, it's a distinct possibility, James. <laughs> not ruling that out. <laughs> oh, we have some questions from the audience. Yes, sir. I think in a lot of ways it surpassed my expectations and in a lot of ways it was more or less on the nose of what I expected. Um, you know, I think every, every day in IndyCar has been a whole new experience and they've just been kind of equally as good. I mean, I've never driven an oval before leading up to this season and somehow, some way with, with good teamwork, we've, uh, we've been in with a fight at every one of them so far. So it, uh, that's been, that's blown me away, to be honest. I was expecting to really struggle on ovals and then be kind of as competitive as I am on the road courses. Um, but the fact that we've been equally as strong across the board this year shows how the depth of our team, how, how good James and I work together, how good the engineering staff works together. Because, I mean, I will 100% say that I'm, I'm not just driving ovals because I'm naturally gifted and talented at ovals. It's, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of a lot of teamwork and a lot of analyzing that's getting me there and having a good teammate beside me that I can uh, just lean on a lot and ask the stupidest questions and, and he doesn't lie, I don't think. Um, oh, shucks. It, uh, sure, how uh, to make a girl blush. No, it's been, it's been super helpful, but to answer your question, in a lot of ways it surpassed my expectations and for the most part it's kind of where I expected it to be. James, I know you're the uh, Grand Marshal for the uh, USAC quarter midget uh, event happening out outside the grandstands. Uh, did you get a chance to visit them out uh, today? Uh, I haven't yet. We're heading out there in a little bit after this. And, uh, you know, always excited to, to take part in anything that involves young racers. You know, I, I remember being one of those kids and, um, 
anytime that there's uh you know some influence and some interaction with uh, with the guys that are kind of at the level that you're you're aspiring to be at it's always fun and i'm excited to get there and, and watch them uh, watch them racing all right Philby. yeah much has been made of your guys's friendship your relationship that goes back a long time have you ever raced each other for a win if not have you talked about what it'd be like in indy cars to be there right against each other and can you honestly tell us that you wouldn't look at the other guy and not think that's my buddy that's my friend that's my teammate you would think of him as a rival and not let it personal enter into it well i think there's there's a couple of different questions in there and so i think there's a couple <laughs> different answers uh yes we've raced each other for wins in the past i think just yesterday there was a picture posted on uh yeah. on twitter of, of us on a podium together from our karting days um, I was lower on the podium, but still taller than Robbie. So don't forget who your elders are. Um, there was a time when I was taller than him, uh, and 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 we've you know we've raced together in, in Atlantic, I think. Well, yeah, for the Portland that race in Portland, that was that was for a win. Yep. Um, How'd that go? He won that one too, actually, <laughs> bastard. Uh, but no, and I mean, frankly, we were running one two with six laps to go at Phoenix. You know, so we've uh, we've we've already kind of done it here here this uh, this season. But yep. you know, at the end of the day, we have a, an immense amount of respect for one another. Um, you know, on track and off, and there's certainly the added element of being teammates. You know, I think you have to race your teammates a little bit differently than you would race maybe somebody else. But at the end of the day, when when you're going for the win, it's uh, it's kind of every man for himself. I think the difference in this situation is whoever came out on top. You know, I think we'd be happy for the other guy genuinely because we just like one racing man. I mean, it really. You know, Robbie made the comment after Phoenix when, you know, mid part of the race there, it was him and I running one, two for a while. And he was like, it was like racing go-karts at Google Cartways again. You know, it was just like the good old days. And, uh, and that's kind of what it's like for us. We're, we're here to race. We're here to have fun. And, uh, and I think that him and I can do that very well together. I'll point out that at Iowa, a race that you won, James, uh, you guys were also racing each other in contention there. Well. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was racing for a win in that one, but... Uh, <laughs> You were both up front. Yeah, we we're almost we almost shared a podium in that one. But um, no, I think James got it just right. I mean, especially like from where I've come from, you are literally not allowed to crash with a teammate. If you do, you're basically fired. So that that's been a uh, mindset that I've learned and I take into account. So I mean, I've been surprised actually in IndyCar how hard teammates race other teammates. But again, it's kind of it's what I've been used to for the last six years. So coming here, it, it's it's nice because it's raw racing. I mean, you have to race your teammate different, but you can still race them hard. Um, yeah, DTM, you can't even pass your teammate without permission. <laughs> never mind, never mind, crash them. That was a confidential conversation, James. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> from time to time, <laughs> I'm gonna stop telling them secrets. But. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think, like James said, we have so much respect for each other, both on and off the track, that, you know, we, we race hard with each other, and, um, you know, so far, we're, we're still good friends. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I think, honestly, it's inevitable that one day we will get involved with something on track, but I think we're adult enough to kind of talk it out and, and move on with life. We'll fight it out, hug it out, crack a beer, move on to the next one. Go over to Bruce, and then come back for Zach. Uh, Robert, the temptation here on starts and restarts is to maybe fan out as much as seven wide. Has uh, James given you any advice or indication on just how inviting that first turn is here and how, according to Ryan Hunter-Ray, it gets narrow the later in the race? 
Um, yeah, I. To be honest, I haven't really watched a whole bunch of Pocono stuff yet, but I saw like a little clip that IndyCar posted on Twitter of a restart or the start of the race. I think it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and especially like knowing this track and the spotters have very little visibility to turn one. It's uh, it's going to be pretty unique. But uh, you know, I mean, I haven't really picked James's brain all that hard yet. I mean, I, I think I will eventually. Bruce Scott Farrell. James, how inviting did turn one look to you in 2013 at the start? Uh, I mean, it didn't. I was, I was in the front row. So I, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I hit a bump, bottomed out, and ended up in the wall, if that's what you're getting at, Bruce. Thanks for that. Um, the restarts are much more, uh, much more of an issue here than the, than the starts themselves. You know, but the start itself, you're a little bit more spaced out, uh, nose to tails, a bit, a little bit bigger gaps. But um, I mean, we've all seen the, you know, the the GIF on the internet. Yes, I say GIF, not GIF. Deal with it. And uh, it was, I think, seven wide. It was, I mean, I think that was 15. Was like the super, super crazy one. Um, and it is a GIF. It is a GIF. I mean, the guy that created it calls it GIF, but what does he know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's well. We're, I mean, Robbie and I are going to look at some video tonight and and kind of go over it all, but. Uh, the front straight gets awfully narrow. Like to get through turn one quick, there's only about two car widths that you can find a, a window for that. Um, but the front straight, there's you know seven car widths you can weasel your way into. So sorting that out by turn one is always a challenge. All right, we'll go with Zach here. With uh, Fernando's announcement last week, um, I've spoken to a couple drivers on how they really, because a lot of people have been pointing him in the car's direction. Of course, for you guys, how do you feel he would fit into this sport? We saw how big of a success it was at Indy. But with the full season, do you think it would be any different, or do you think it would be that Alonso effect would really carry the sport through the year? Sorry, what did Alonso announce? He announced he was. I'm just kidding. I'm totally messing with you. Go ahead. <laughs> Who? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't around um, when he raced in the Indy 500, but as a fan, I kind of saw the international traction that the series got for the 500. I mean, because I was living in Europe at the time and. Having being friends with James for so long, you always kind of follow everything, and a lot of the uh, European press definitely took notice of, of what he was doing over there. But uh, you know, I mean, who knows if where he's going to end up, right? I mean, that's kind of what I respect about him most is he's just a, a raw racer. You know, I, I I think there's equal chance of him doing a Daytona 500 because he just wants to race and win everything, which I think is awesome and. It's a rarity to find these days, and it's really cool that McLaren, for one, is giving him as much freedom as, as they allow him to have. You know, he wanted to go do Le Mans. They let him go do Le Mans with another manufacturer, which is kind of crazy if you think outside of the box. So, you know, it's wherever, uh, wherever Fran ends up, it's going to be cool. I mean, if he's in IndyCar, it's going to be great. He's going to hit the ground running like he does in every category. He's a two-time world champion. He's definitely one of the legends of Formula One. So, I mean, if he, uh, if he ends up down here, it's going to be really cool for us. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if he decides to kind of do a year of cherry-picking great races around the world to go compete in, I think that would be awesome. As a fan, I would love to follow that kind of journey. But if he ends up in IndyCar full-time, that would be huge for us. It really would. Um, as Robbie said, the international attention that he brings is uh, not something you can you can really overlook. And um, I think it would be a great fascination to see how he would do over an entire an entire season with all the different types of circuits that, that we uh, that we visit. And I think he would bring a lot uh, to an already, you know, very deep driver talent pool. And do you think that if he would come over and perhaps struggle a little bit, that would really highlight the Scott Dixon to James Hinchcliffe and, and Robert Wickens? People would know those names because they beat Fernando. And 
you know what? I think Fernando's probably got a, a better grasp on that than a lot of guys over in Europe because he's come over here and it was only one race, you know, obviously a difficult one, but I think he left with a, a, a much better understanding and as a result appreciation of, of what we do in IndyCar and, and the level of competition over here. And I think he took some of that back to Europe with him and, and, and kind of spread that message. When a guy like Fernando talks, people in the racing world listen. So yeah, if he came over here and he wasn't just, you know, mopping the floor with all of us, uh, I think I think it would send a, a good message, you know, globally that, that this championship is incredibly competitive. I also don't think he would. I, yeah, you don't, yeah. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> in the back with Steve. You guys had a couple weekends off. Anything, did you guys do anything fun, exciting? I got engaged. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Wait, no, that was before Mid-Ohio. Oh, true, yeah, sorry. I picked a wedding venue. That's, that was fun. No, you said fun, James. Fun. Well, you know, I got to go to the cottage to do that. So I got to spend some time at the cottage. That was good. Got some time at home. That was nice. Just relaxing, man. This, it's, such a, it's such a strenuous season, like the, from the start of May through basically the Toronto race. It's so flat out that this kind of stretch mid-season with a little bit more time off is nice. Came here, watched him drive in circles. Yeah. Good times. Go up here in front. James, if you could wipe out the Indy 500, how would you rate your season to, to this point with one win? Oh, man. I'd uh, B. You know, I, I think uh, Indy obviously is, is a low mark for us, but we had uh, a really tough weekend in Detroit, a really tough weekend in mid-Ohio, um, a couple races that we didn't really capitalize on our on our pace uh, and potential until Sunday. It was good that we kind of got there on Sunday, but had we done a better job on Saturday, we could have been racing higher up the grid. So I think that we've done a lot right this year, for sure. I think the uh, the natural pace that, that the teams had uh, was a little surprising out of the box just due to the number of changes we had. And this was always sort of in the plan as a transitional year. But, um, you know, the addition of Robbie and, and some other key personnel on the team has been uh, a really big jumpstart for us. And so I think we've done a lot of things really well. I think we've identified a lot of things we can do better. And so I'm already excited for 2019 because I think we've got some great plans in place to just keep pushing the team up the grid. Any other final questions? All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.